You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to today's episode. If you are a fan and a listener of the show and haven't yet left us a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts, honestly, please just take two minutes and do that and we would love you forever. Now, today we are inviting two of our best entrepreneurial friends onto the show all about their flipping business, and we are going there. (laughs) But before you think this is going to be a Chip and Joanna Gaines-esque episode on paint colors or tile, think again. We are deep diving with Chelsea and Ryan on all things flipping houses. Now, if you're not familiar with them, Chelsea and Ryan Antos are a husband and wife team that flip and renovate homes. But more than that, they consider themselves entrepreneurs who create businesses that allow them to live the life they love with their children. They've built a million-dollar flipping business that gives them the opportunity to raise their kids and work in their passions together. Now, Chelsea and Ryan today talk about their story of how they got into flipping, how they built their flipping business slowly over time, how to get investors to invest in your business, and why borrowing money can actually be a good thing. They touch on how the economy affects flipping, which housing market is better to flip in, as well as a bunch of resources and beginning principles for beginners to learn more about flipping and finances. This episode is seriously so jam-packed with goodness. So even if you're not even interested in starting a flipping business, keep on listening because we promise you're going to get something amazing from these two entrepreneurial powerhouses. So let's get onto the show and welcome Chelsea and Ryan. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, Chelsea and Ryan, welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. Well, I say welcome back to Chelsea. You've been on the show before. Ryan, welcome for the first time. Hey, thanks so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're so pumped. Oh, we are beyond. We are so stoked. It was so much fun when we had you on the first time. And I have to, okay, I have to, I wasn't sure I was going to say this, but I have to. We're, I'm at Chelsea and Ryan's house. (laughs) Um, and Evie is just like solo in it at her house. And so we're literally me, Chelsea and Ryan are literally all three around my mic in their closet, like just like creepily close. Yeah. We're really cozy. <laughs> and I'm realizing you guys are having a moment yeah, at this moment sure. in time. I've never interviewed someone so close to their face. It's always been like distant, <laughs> So it's just fun. Yeah. We are loving having Lindsay and Andrew at our house. It's and even fun. more loving having her in our closet. <laughs> It's like 85 degrees in here. <laughs> it's it's oh kind of toasty. It's fine. <laughs> so if, if anyone starts like obsessively panting, we'll know it's just yeah. the heat. <laughs> We're just in Florida heat. in a closet. Nice. <laughs> Very well done. We t-shirts on. Anyways. Anyways. Okay. Just to kind of start diving in, let's just for anybody who might not know who you guys are, give us a little intro onto who you are, what you do, all of that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So we're Chelsea and Ryan, and we are married, and we are so excited to be here because we are entrepreneurs that flip homes. Um, So we're really going to be talking about house flipping today, but more than that, we consider ourselves entrepreneurs that flip homes uh, because we want to build the life that we love with our children. We are parents of three amazing little girls, and they're very small. And so building the life that we love where we can be home with our children, where we can be together, where we don't have to leave and go to work at a nine-to-five job, we can bring our kids with us is huge important. So that's something we're really passionate about being entrepreneurs uh, that flip homes, but do lots of different things. Yeah. I mean, wow, that sounded amazing. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll just add that I agree. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, we're, we're entrepreneurs and uh, flipping homes is one of the avenues uh, that we've created, you know, uh, income stream in our life. And also it's been a huge blessing to our family as we have three little ones and raising them. Yeah. I love it. Well, do you guys want to just dive straight on into flipping and like discuss like what brought you guys to start flipping and why? Like what attracted you? Other than like Chip and Joanna, you never really hear about like, I mean, it's a business model that I don't think is very popular, but maybe that's not true. I don't know. I'm just not, I don't see very many people doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think the people that you know that are doing it get glamorized into TV shows and then they don't 
they don't make it attainable or, or give you the step-by-steps. So yeah. it doesn't seem very easy to get into the market. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'd love to share a little bit about it. So kind of real backstory is I grew up in a very entrepreneurial home. Um, I was homeschooled. My parents were really big and I've shared this on the past podcast I was in last year on starting businesses. And so when I was I think a preteen, my mom, one of our classes was how to start a business. And so I grew up all through high school, really passionate about finding my passion, but also finding a way to create the life that I loved and the life that allowed me to live God's purpose uh, for who I was. Um, And so one of my first businesses that I started that actually was successful, some of the prior ones were like, you know, kind of silly ones. But the one that I started when I was 17 kind of blew up and became very successful. And I had lots of fun um, running that for about, I don't know, nine years, maybe a decade, Mm -hmm. close to a decade, which is crazy to say when you're only 29. Um, And then recently, I would say in 2019, so a couple of years ago, um, I decided to transition out of that business because I started having babies. And so I came to this realization as a woman who wanted a family, who wanted to be a a nurturing mama that was kind of a stay-at-home mom, but also still was able to work outside of the home a little bit. I wanted to find something that allowed me to not be in an office or in a strict nine to five so I could flow and form with my family and my children. Uh, And so we kind of, as I transitioned out of that other business that I started, it became very important to me and Ryan that we start something that allowed us to be together because our marriage is something, it's one of the most, it's the most important thing in our life. Um, And we love, you know, ideating together and coming up with great grandiose plans. And we wanted to do something where we could do that together. But then we also wanted something we could bring our kids along for the adventure. And so... (laughs) We started thinking about, um, you know, what what could we do? And so we had a couple years to kind of figure that out and, and kind of come up with what are we going to do to create income that allows us to be home with our kids? And it was a little scary. Yeah, I mean, and what we tried to do was like really look at what are our, our values and our passions and then taking those and trying to match those with the marketplace with, with where there was opportunity to create income. And I think so sometimes people only focus on their passions and they don't realize that passion has to also tie into a marketplace and a need to create value. Yeah. And that's really where we, why we started flipping homes is we were able to really produce a lot of value, not just financially for us, but uh, in our community is, you know, taking these homes that are kind of in rough shape. Some of them are, uh, you know, beyond things that we want to even talk about in here because they're really bad shape, but, you know, beautifying those and, letting those be a blessing to the next family that moves into them. Yeah, for sure. And so that became very important to us to merge uh, what a marketplace need was um, with a passion. So it was both an and. And I think it was very important to us that um, we do something that was creating value and purpose. And in my past business, it was all about a global impact that I was making. I was helping artisans all around the world. It was very global. And I really had a desire in this next season of my life, especially with having children, to kind of have roots and find a way to make community impact that was local. I was really like spent from trying to kind of change the world, which is not a bad thing. But I think I wanted a tangible way to make a difference in my community, in the people that I knew, in the faces I saw when I walked on the boardwalk on the beach after dinner and got ice cream. And so it was really important to us. We were investing here in our local community. And so, yeah, so we... Um, we started kind of slow, um, and I would say kind of our first flip was our camper. So when we first got married, we renovated a camper, and we traveled the country. And we didn't really look at that as a flip, but we sold it for our profit afterwards, which is kind of unheard of in the camper world. And so that kind of got our wheels turning. And then I went on, and we kind of did our thing. And then when I left my past business, we kind of were like, hey, what if we tried this? We found a house that was uh, under, like, kind of in a budget that we thought had a lot of room to be more if we put some time and money into it. And so we took a risk, and we decided to do our first house flip. I love that. Okay, can you guys share, like, what is the, I guess, the initial, like, first thing you had to overcome? Because, like, it's a step. It's a process. There's a lot involved in house flipping. And I want to hear, like, how did you guys get that initial courage? Was it just, like, from the camper experience? And you're like, hey, we can do this. And you're bold, like, risk takers who were like, let's go for it. Or was it a situation where somebody, like, offered to invest in a business? Or, like, I guess just, like, financially, how did that work out? How did you guys get your first step? I don't know. Just, like, do you do you sell right away after you flip? So you, like, buy, flip, sell, 
and move on to the next one? I don't know. I just want to hear all the things. Yeah, those are lots of good questions. I know, so I'll I dropped start. like five. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. So I will, I'll start and then I'll let Ryan kind of answer some of it too. But um, so to get the courage to do it, I think risk is just huge for us, is very important uh, component of my, what I was taught growing up. And even Ryan too, because Ryan's families were also business owners that if you don't risk, you'll never know if something will work or not work. And obviously calculated risk is important. So doing due diligence and, you know, being a responsible person matters when taking risk. But risk is just the, the biggest thing that most people will never do is just being willing to do something without hundred percent guarantee it's going to work out because you never have a hundred percent guarantee anything's going to work out no matter how much your personality wants it. It's just not going to be there. And so for us, it was really the, um, I think what motivated us the most to have that courage was we wanted so desperately to create the life we loved with our kids. And it was really our kids because we we had this other business that was awesome and I was running it as the COO and it was very, um, it was very like stable for me, but I wanted to do something where I could be more involved in my kids' lives and I could bring them along on that, that adventure. And it could be part of their schooling. It could be part of their life. You know, when they grow up, they could say like, oh, my mom and dad owned a flipping business. And I remember like, you know, going over and rolling paint and my parents yeah. always had to touch it up because I did such a bad job, but they <laughs> pretended it was great. So that was something that was really important to us. And we kind of had like, you know, when we left, we were like, well, we know we're having children right now and they're small. So we have a little window when we can create something before they get to the age where we really need to be around like a lot mm -hmm. and really like start forming their worldview and their, you know, schooling. And so we took those like couple years while being pregnant and then having our kids to really start uh, looking for opportunities. And flipping was kind of something that because we had done the camper and then we bought a house and renovated it, we were like, hmm, I mean, HGTV makes it look easy. Maybe <laughs> we could try it. And honestly, I think the biggest thing, and you guys can probably speak to this, for me, that has motivated us in our life and is being naive. Like yeah. being naive we, I mean, the world makes it seem like it's such a bad thing, but we were really naive and I'm mm -hmm. so glad we were naive. Like yeah. I wouldn't say going back like, oh my gosh, cause we did make so many mistakes, but I wouldn't have said like, oh, you needed to be way more educated about it. You needed, we needed to have done way more research. Yeah. The fact that we were naive and we're like, we just want to make a life for our kids. That's beautiful and wonderful mm -hmm. and full of joy and God's goodness. We're just going to take this risk. Yeah. That naivety brought so much joy and blessing to our life, even amidst the mistakes. And in the, and I'll let Ryan talk about the next part of just those first, the first two actual flips we did had a lot of mistakes. They had a lot of things that were learning experiences for us. Like they were not, you know, the, the highlight reel. So if you want to talk about those a little bit, just to give some perspective. Yeah. One thing I'd add though, is like we were naive, but I think mixed with that is we did surround ourselves with people that had some experience doing it. And that was able to give us enough clarity, I think, to take that jump. Uh, because there are a lot of things in the HGTV shows that uh, are very different than how it really is when you do this as a business. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that was important is to get some of those insights. So that way we could actually create some good fundamentals and grow off of that. But yeah, I mean, we started small, we started doing the camper, and then we did our own house as a remodel. And then from there, we really used our family, we partnered together to, to do a, a flip together, our very first official one. Yeah. So I found a house on the market that was underpriced and it was in a great neighborhood. And I was like, this could be amazing. And I'm, I am good at seeing potential in a home. So I was like, this could be beautiful, Ryan, let's go see it. And then we were like, okay, well, we don't have all of the finances to invest in it, but we do have some family in our life that does. And they've seen us be really responsible with our own personal finances. And so what if we offered to partner with them? Them and made sure it wasn't like they weren't just like giving us a loan. It was like they were really going to make money on it too. It yeah. was we going to be a partnership. Financially benefit. Yeah, it yeah. was an investment. Right. So yeah. I, and I never would go to family and be like, hey, just give us money. Like it's right. not that type of thing. It's a, you know, let's all benefit from this and learn together because this could actually be a profitable thing yeah. uh, that we could actually do together. And so it started out with just our family. So the first house we did uh, was our family. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was me and Ryan like painting till two in the morning, nice. trying to hire contractors. Did you hire any contractors? We had a few. Some of them were really bad. We learned yeah. a lot of good lessons. One of our friends bailed us out a little bit. 
in it, who he, actually he is one of our amazing partners now. Um, and it formed a great relationship. And what we realized in that first house and then the second one we did, we realized, so we were there more than nine to five. And we realized we are not handy and we don't <laughs> like this. Which I think is like ironic because when people find out that we house flip, they assume that we, you're like swinging yeah, nails. Like we know how to do all these things. And like, I think we, we know a decent amount in theory of how it's supposed to go about, but like the actual performance, I mean, if, I don't even think I'm allowed on our job sites now. <laughs> Basically, I come around, I'm like, hey, you guys need some help. And if it's not demo, they're not really interested in me playing a part. So we're not handy people. Uh, and we knew that. And so we quickly learned we need to develop a team if this is ever going to have sustainability and longevity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so for us, it was, you know, we, you can be like enslaved to a nine to five, even as an entrepreneur, like yeah. it doesn't make yeah. you free just because you're an entrepreneur. And yeah. so that's really important. I think to learn up front is like, you have to get really good at knowing what you're good at and what other people are good at and willing to sacrifice some money on the front end to invest in the people that are actually good at the things you're not good at. And so it was the second house where we kind of realized I was pregnant with my second daughter and we were there just all the time. And we got into a lot of just like, you know, just lots of emotions. We're having a baby. We have a toddler. We're there all the time. We don't know good contractors. People are doing things wrong in the house. We're trying to install shiplap and we're terrible at it. And it's <laughs> awful and it's not meeting my vision. And I remember just telling Ryan, like, I don't want to do this. This was a bad idea. Like this wasn't what this is. It's way too much work for the return. Mm -hmm. And so then we really had to sit down and go, okay, we need to strategize. Like, we need to be smart and not work smarter, not harder. And obviously that's something so many entrepreneurs have heard, but like it really does work. Yeah. So we sat down and we said, we don't, you know, we luckily had saved some money. So we didn't need to make immediate money, which was great. And not everybody is in that position, uh, but we had, a, we had saved. And so that's something huge. If you're going to start doing something, have a little savings, have a little nest egg that can get you through because at the very beginning we chose after those two houses, we are going to find a team because we know what we're good at. I have been always in operations. I'm an amazing COO. I'm very good at design. And Ryan is amazing at numbers. He's amazing at finances. He's amazing at finding investors and people that want to give us money that, you know, like are really trustworthy. He's great at being um, the, he's our real estate agent. So that's what we're great at. Like, we're not good at hammering nails. And yeah. that's okay as a business owner. Like you kind of have to stop the pride thing sometimes and go, I don't need to be like the one woman show or the one man show. And so that's kind of where we decided like we need a team. And that's the only way this is going to work if we want our long-term vision of bringing our kids into this and having a family business. Totally. Well, and I think that's also not sustainable. Like yeah. it, it, you wouldn't be able to scale the business or, or do as many houses if you're the one slinging hammers, slinging, yeah. swinging, whatever. Um, <laughs> I have a question though. Like, okay, so for like somebody that's listening to this, that they're like, they've the only thing they've ever heard about flipping is like literally fixer upper, chip and Joanna Gaines. Like, when you say like investing or like finding investors, I think I can I can imagine somebody listening to this and they're like, I don't even know what that means. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even that's a foreign concept to me. Can you break that down? Of like, I think that unlocks a part of business that a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about. Yeah, they don't realize that it's I, it's kind of like shark tank is mm -hmm. what I would kind of compare it to. But for somebody that doesn't know what you're meaning by that, can you like break down that whole concept of like trying to get somebody to give you money? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And it's probably one that somebody gives me once a week Yeah, <laughs> is how do I get more money? And like, we've been really blessed because uh, we have well over a million dollars in investors now that want to be a part of it. But in the beginning, it was just us and, you know, our family. And that was about it. And so I think the hard answer is like, it, it's not a very sexy answer is like, you have to create long term relationships with people and trust. And so, like, uh, Chelsea, and I talk about this all the time is like, we're so thankful that like, we have roots in this area, because people have seen us over a period of time, be responsible, faithful people, people that are ones they can trust with their money. And then we've been able to build off of that, where now we have people seeking us out, to, trying to invest money in our companies. Um, but really it started with that foundation of just people that we've known for a good period of time being faithful with little opportunities and little financial things mm -hmm. and our own personal finances. That's a huge one. Like if, if you are not able to 
be fiscally responsible in your own private life, uh, you're definitely not going to get somebody overly excited about investing in you. Right. So, you know, those are huge things to creating investors and really like you have to be last on the totem pole. Yeah. And I think that's the hard one too, is like in all of these things we did, like God's blessed us so crazily over the last year and a half, two years. But part of it is because like we always put ourselves last in a lot of things. Like we yeah. always promise to pay team members, people that were good contractors, people that were investors, and we promised to put them first. Yeah. And even though we made less, we knew in the long term we would make more. And I mean, and together we could do we would do it as a team. Like our we would have an amazing team that we got to help employ, which was really important to us. And I would say just to jump off the investor thing for those maybe that are just really dipping their toe into this world of entrepreneurship and then finances, because I think finances is just a scary world for most people, especially if you're in your maybe younger 20s and you're kind of just coming out of like school and, and you're like, oh my gosh, like what, and how, I don't even understand the concept of getting an investor. Like what the heck does that even mean? And I think everybody has a different viewpoint on it. But for me and Ryan, like we are so limited by our own money and skills. But when we, when we understand that by sharing money and by sharing skills, we can truly grow, we're willing, like we, and, and it is important that everyone gets something out of it. That's kind of the concept of having an investor. So I think a lot of people come from this idea of like, I can only flip a house if I have all the cash saved up. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the only responsible way to do it. And uh, that really does come from somewhat of a... Um, uh, what's the word? Like the, like the poverty mentality. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Of just like, there's not enough to go around and scarcity. And when you really expand your thinking, especially as an entrepreneur and you, and you think in abundance of like, God has blessed so many people with money Mm -hmm. and money is not evil. Money is a tool. And I'm sure you guys have shared that on this podcast before. And so when we leverage our tool, but not just our tools, the tools of other people. Yeah together and we all get something out of it. What an incredibly, incredible, amazing way to share resources to do something great in the world, whether that's house flipping, whether that's starting an offer profit, like whatever. But there may be times in your life that you don't have the resources and you, you need someone else's resources. Obviously yeah. you make sure that they benefit from it, but sharing resources is not bad. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you irresponsible if you don't pay for everything in cash. And so that's like kind of a mindset shift that, you know, it doesn't, it's not everyone agrees with that, but in the world of flipping, that is a huge part of flipping is utilizing other people to help make something better. Yeah. Leveraging other money is key. I mean, if we did this business based on just our money, we would never even have gotten started. We would never be where it is today where now we're doing a dozen homes a year or more. Uh, and, And like I said before, you have to kind of put yourself uh, you humble yourself to make less in the beginning too. I remember our, one of our first investors who wasn't uh, a family member, like, I don't know if you want me to share this, no, but like, share we cut them a check for $48,000 from the flip. For like and, a five week flip. And, we, and is that what, like, what's the percent? Like, is that a lot? In mm-hmm. that scenario, they made more money than all of our other team members who were a part of it. But like, we were more than happy to cut that check because that got us the next five deals from them mm-hmm. and they were at better percentages and lower yeah. and better percentages for us. But like too many people are like, well, I, I want to make it right in the beginning. And like, to me, it's, it's, and they're like always trying to, to save a buck. Yeah, it's, and, like, it's mm-hmm. like going to college though. Like you got to pay your dues. Yeah. And like, if you don't have the experience and you've never done this before, like you're not going to be able to be in the driver's seat from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. I think that's awesome. That's so good. Okay, can I ask a very specific question that might help a listener? And you don't have to answer this, but I'm curious if you're willing, like you talked about the amount that the check was cut for. Can Are you willing to share the number that that initial investor invested so that somebody has a gauge of like, is somebody investing $10,000 or $100,000 or a million? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, that's a great question. So uh, yeah, this one's painfully bad, so I'll, I'll share it. So, <laughs> it was like our third flop. Yeah, I so, love it. So this investor put up $175,000 to purchase the house. We funded the $60,000 reno, and we held their money for 12 weeks. And Yeah, with made, the purchase and then the closing, because you have mm-hmm. to count those You have to count it. the closing. So they made $50,000. So they essentially made almost a hundred percent on their money if it have if that had been annualized over a year. Is yeah. that is that too specific? No. no. Okay. So if that had been annualized over a year, like 
you know, a bank pays you a hundredth of a percent a year. Like we were paying out a hundred percent a year, like based on that. So like, but somebody else would go, well, I don't want to do that. Like that's way too much money. Like they didn't deserve that. They didn't do the hard work. Mm. Like that's not how we saw it at all. It's like that earned us the right to be able to do tons of future deals and gain future investments. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, I think that opens up a world of possibilities that people don't think about. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I said that before, but like, I think a lot of people think like, especially with flipping, oh, like I have to save up all this money and then buy a house in cash or or just, I have to buy it all myself. They, they, they're not thinking, yeah. oh wait, there's a whole world out there where if you're smart with your money and you are ethical and mm-hmm. you showcase responsibility that yeah. that can come back to, I mean, grow. I, I like how you guys said it even in the beginning, like you did it as small and you took less and like you have to almost build that relationship with investors as you grow. Yeah, for sure. And I would say, and I don't know like if you want me to share this or not, but I think we started with family and people that really knew us and trusted us. It was kind of like the first level. Then we went to investors that were like second level, like people that kind of knew us and trusted us, but maybe were like a little scarier to ask than like our parents, which Ryan is, he is the bomb at asking people. scary people for money like I'm terrified and he's like he's so confident about it now that well, because it's like crazy I know, like I know it's good for them right yeah. like and I know that sounds like presumptuous but like people like hope they get six and eight percent returns in the stock market and yeah. double to triple that and it's something fun that they can be a part of right yeah. yeah and then from there once you've done x amount of flips you can get hard money loans and so I don't know if you want to jump into that at all Ryan but that's something that's even beyond just like an investor we still use private investors but then there's a, the uh, idea of taking a hard money loan that you you do need to show some proof in the pudding to do that but that's something that's even beyond investing. Can, can I ask a dumb question before? So when you're saying somebody invests like like a private investor, mm-hmm. are they buying houses in cash? Like the, the houses that we are buying? Yeah. Usually, yes. Usually, yeah. So that's that was one of the ways that we navigated it in the beginning is like the investor is always going to feel more comfortable if it's in one of their business's names mm-hmm. that owns the house. And then we even would borrow, and they would know this, So, but we would borrow the renovation money from a family member to do the renovation, and we wouldn't be any money out of pocket. So, because the investor basically put up the house, we would do the renovation, but we actually borrowed that renovation money from a family member and paid and them, them a return and as well. And them a return. And so you really, you, you essentially do what banks and all financial institutions do is take other people's money and make more to money, make money. Off it, and, and then, help them make money <laughs> right and then pay them some back and you keep the difference and if you do that on enough uh, margin you know it, yeah. it's and, and responsibly and knowing that you're not overextending yourself so there is a strategy to it but it's it's a strategy that the wealthy of the world do use and they yeah. use knowing that it does help it helps everyone it helps the whole so yeah yeah I mean, now you got me going on banks. You're Robert King Stockman <laughs> right, right one, now. <laughs> just one, just one thing is like, it, like people don't get this. Like with banks, is like banks will pay you say one percent on a savings account, which they don't. They pay you way less than that, and then they'll loan that money out for six percent. And everybody thinks, okay, the difference in it is five percent, but it's not. It's actually four hundred percent is the difference. I know that's technical, but like... This is way too much math, right? Is this too much math? <laughs> I love it. Like, that's we're the here. thing, right? Someone like it, clicked on this episode thinking they were going to get like painting tips, like tip and Joanna Gaines, and then they're like, oh, financial deep dive, whoops. let's go. If there's a I'll silence give you painting tips soon. Yeah, if there's a silence button, you can hit it. But yeah, <laughs> basically what a bank does is take a million dollars, they sell it for $6 million and keep the $5 million in between. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. okay. That's a you breakdown that, that people need too. to hear. <laughs> So wait, did you want to talk about hard? Oh, hard money loans. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I mean, hard money loans, that's for a little bit more experienced people because you have to show that you've done multiple properties, sometimes two or three. And uh, basically they're investment groups. Uh, They could be people, they could be real estate investment trusts, uh, but normally they're groups that borrow from like life insurance companies Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they secure their loan through various avenues uh, and you pay origination fees and interest payments to them 
so it's like a group that gets together with a bunch of money and loans out their money. Yeah, that's the simple way. That's, the, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a that's my version of breaking it down. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. I'm the interpreter. I love it. <laughs> Ryan's the, the wisdom. The Ryan technical interpreter. Chelsea yes, sitting right there. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I mean, but I just wanted to paint kind of the levels. Like yeah. there's levels you can go through it. So, you know, you do your, you do a little camper, you do your own house. Then you, yeah. you know, you maybe you get some inspo to do another house. You get some family on board. Then you go to some, you know, the out, the second level of family and friends. And then once you've done two to three, you can get hard money loans. Because you have experience to back it up. Because now you have experience. Okay, cool. Okay. I want to pivot the conversation a little bit. I want to talk slightly about how does the economy or the housing market affect your business? I mean, because obviously I'm assuming that would have to have a huge effect. And, And is there a difference between the economy and the housing market? Yeah, it's a good question. Okay, so Ryan is nerding. I can see his face is like, oh, (laughs) I need to nerd. I mean, remember, we're all in the closet right now. So, yeah, we're physically together crouched. And I can see his face like, well, I want to I want to go so much deeper, but I won't. So (laughs) I'll just say what's actually ironic about house flipping is you tend to make way more money in down markets. So you actually make more money. Explain that, what that means. uh, What's a down market? When the market is in a recession or there's ample foreclosures, you actually make more money than right now. It's a very hot economy and it's actually more difficult to make money in this. Especially in Florida where we're at. Is it because houses are already high, so it's hard to make them even higher with a flip? Right. Absolutely. So right now you're, you're trying to buy houses, but they're already at really a, a new price that wasn't even established a year ago. It's because everyone's moving to Florida, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you're trying to push it even more to a number that's never been even conceived. I mean, there's houses in our neighborhood right now that are 50, 60% more than they yeah. were. And uh, it, it could be very challenging to have the the faith that the economy will keep growing in the same way. So it's actually easier in down economies when you have foreclosures and things like that because you're buying houses 30, 40 cents on the dollar mm-hmm. and trying to sell them for 80 cents. Whereas yeah. right now it's, you know, not really like that. And let me add just, I think as an entrepreneur, the biggest thing about being an entrepreneur is being flexible and strategic and, and being able to analyze what the economy is such an important part of being an entrepreneur. And I think it's easy, especially like if for me and like the more feminine, like girl boss world on Instagram, like we can kind of like leave the economy out of things a little bit. But if you want a successful business and you want to be strategic, the economy matters to almost everyone's business, especially right now when the world is so affected by current events and things going on. And so for us, it's really important that we watch the economy um, because like Ryan said, in down markets, it's when you buy. And in high markets, it's it's honestly, we still flip, but we hold. Mm. So we need, we want to have cash. So that way, when, when something dips, we have the, the right amount of finances to buy and we have the right amount of investors to, to invest. And so it's this constant ebb and flow of watching how the world is moving um, and not just being prideful and like, I'm going to work, 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 because I have to. Because that's what my dad taught me is get up and do the hard work. Like hard work, honestly, is like there's a million people that work hard and don't make a lot of money. So it's about being strategic and watching like, hey, this year we just had this conversation. It's really hot in Florida right now. We're flipping still, but we're holding a little bit more. This is our year of like, we're going to chill a little bit. We're going to like hold and we're, but we're not holding because we're lazy. We're we're getting ready to pounce Mm -hmm. for when things might dip. And I'm not predicting when that's going to happen, but we want to be strategic about it. I don't know if you want to add to that at all. Yeah. I mean, you you have to be constantly on taps with what the economy is doing. We know at this point in time, inflation is really high. And so uh, there's the opportunity for, uh, trying not to get technical, the Federal Reserve to increase interest rates more or less, and that would affect the housing economy. Yeah. And so that does make that us cause play, some dips. that makes us play a little more safe and stay more in entry level houses yeah. instead of doing more of the luxury side as we've done yeah. some in the past. The last couple of years with 2020, we were able to invest and do a lot of more like high end luxury houses because people were afraid. So the economy was like, it was a great time for us to buy. But now that things are like on the upwards in Florida, we're like, okay, let's be strategic. We're going to, we're going to do flips on the lower end and we're going to hold and wait for when there might be some dips. Calling all entrepreneurs. Are you ready for a biz boost in 2022? Tired of feeling alone or struggling to figure out this whole entrepreneur thing by yourself? Well, great, because we have your solution. We are hosting an in-person business conference in Nashville, Tennessee on April 25th through 28th, 2022. 
And this isn't your traditional boring corporate like conference either. I mean, do you even know Evie and I? (laughs) Yes. The Heart Conference is a place for creative business owners and dreamers of all kinds to come together, experience community, learn business and marketing strategies that will help you grow and scale your business all while having the friggin' best time of your life. So get ready to be empowered in your business and life so you can go out and break down every barrier that is holding you back from achieving your goals. All right, and listen to our speaker lineup. Legit. All right, we have Jordan Lee Dooley, Paige Griffith of The Legal Page, Zim Flores, Angie Lee, as well as Lindsay and myself, and our keynote speaker, Donald Miller of freaking StoryBrand. Like, yes. Yeah. So basically, are you like ready to explode your business and build community in just three days? Because if so, it's time to learn some hardcore marketing and sales strategies that will grow your business beyond what you could ever imagine. Get paid to do what you love, speak to the heart of your ideal client, nip that feeling of loneliness in the bud, connect with a community of like-minded creative entrepreneur besties, receive over 12 hours of hardcore business education, dance your pants off at our heart dance party, and listen to seven industry leaders teach you everything they know. Yeah, it's a lot in just three days. Buzz gonna be good. (laughs) If you are ready to give your business a jumpstart in 2022 and lead in your business empowered, come join us at the Heart Conference. You can find out more at theheartuniversity.com forward slash conference. Hey friend, are you a hat girl like us? Well, if you've ever seen a photo of us, pretty much ever. We are almost always wearing a hat on because we love accessorizing any outfit and making it cuter with a good hat. Like literally add any hat to any outfit and it is a thousand times cuter and better. So if you've ever seen us wearing a hat, I can guarantee you it was 100% a Gigi Pip hat. In fact, the hats we're wearing in this podcast cover, yeah, they're Gigi Pip. Gigi Pip is inspired by women who wear many hats and their quality and style is literally insane. It's why we choose them over any hat company because their styles are so cute and their quality is next level. We love them to death. So if you want to grab a hat yourself, we have a little treat for you. You can shop Gigi Pip hats using the link in the show notes to receive free shipping with our code heart and hustle. That's all lowercase and with no spaces. If you're ready to see your confidence boosted and look cute as heck, grab a Gigi Pip hat today. I think that's really smart though, especially in the line of flipping. Like you you have to look at mm-hmm. the, I mean, you're literally dealing with houses, which deals with the economy so heavily. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really smart. I guess my question leading off of that is, do you do one house at a time or do you overlap them? We overlap them, but yeah, we started, depends. we started doing one house at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was definitely the goal until we could build, uh, not just the correct teams, but also understanding like where we were right and wrong on our budgets and thinking, yeah. you know, something costs this. And, uh, you know, we had our fair share of surprises where we thought something would be like a slider actually cost $10,000 and not 2000 because it was right. a specific type of slider. What's, yeah. a, what's a slider? Oh, like a sliding glass door. Sorry. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> Pop, very popular in Florida. Yeah, everybody has them here. <laughs> it's the thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we wanted to go slow. We wanted to build slow. And now we do maybe two. Sometimes we'll have a third house in the mix at the same time. But we... Personally, I think this goes back to like our family values mm-hmm. is like, we don't want to do a huge number of houses. Like it sounds weird, but like, I don't, we don't care that much about being overly wealthy. Like, yeah. so we have, we have friends, like I have a mentor and he's an amazing person, um, but he's doing 50, 60 houses a year and, and he profits well over a million dollars a year. Wow. But like he has two to $4 million in good debt and borrowed money from investors at one time. And so like, if the economy does shift, like that puts a lot of pressure on him and his family. Yeah. Uh, now he's in a season of life where he's good with that. He can handle that risk. Uh, yeah, because he doesn't have small kids and things like that. But like yeah. for us, we want to always be in control and not have that pressure ever affect the way we live our lives and make our decisions as a family. Well, I think it's about like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur if you're listening to this podcast? Like, ask yourself that question. You know, is it is it? And everyone has different values. I know me and Lizzie have talked about this. Is like. I love being an entrepreneur because I, one, I love to work. I love ideas. I love brainstorming, but I also love influence. And that sometimes sounds a little like, I don't know, full yourself to say, but like there are, I mean, God makes us all different. Like I love to influence people. I love to uh, help people. And so it's important, like knowing your values because it will guide how you entrepreneur. And for Mm -hmm. us in this season of life, what we really want, like I had a season where influence was big for me. It was before I had kids. 
in this season, I don't want to be showing up on Instagram every single day. Like I want to be with my kids, raising my kids, having a great job with my husband. And that's what I want to be investing in. So then we have to let that guide how much we work. Like we just had this conversation. Should we take on, you know, a third or a fourth house? And we go, well, we'd make more money. But is that our, is that why we're an entrepreneur? Why are you an entrepreneur? The reason we're entrepreneurs is because we love the freedom and the flexibility to build a beautiful life for our kids and for each other. And so if something doesn't allow us to have that in the end, we say no to it. And I think that's an important part of analyzing why you're listening to this podcast and then building your career choices around what you are trying to get. What's the end result that you are trying to achieve? Yeah. We even recently have turned down certain investors because of that is because we know like too much money in our business would require us to have to change our model and like make things too big. Yeah. And like, that's not what we think is the right direction in the season. Now, mm-hmm. a year from now, yeah, that, when could our kids are older. that could be completely different or five years from now. But like in this season, like we really have a strong focus between us of what we're trying to do and accomplish for our business, our family and our marriage and have them all work together. That's so good. I, I Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many thoughts, both on flipping, but also maybe we'll have to talk about this another time on like values and or working together as a couple, as like a mm-hmm. married couple. Because I feel like there are so many opinions out there of like working together as <laughs> husband and wife. That's yeah, a whole other true. episode. But just hearing how like how central that is for you guys and yeah. and how your decisions are literally all of your business decisions come back to that, like, what are our values? What are our goals? Like, what really matters to us? Which I think is just huge and missing. Like you were saying, Chelsea, in the entrepreneur space, it's very easy to lose sight of, like, what actually matters almost and, like, what really is important to you because it's going to be different for everyone in different seasons too. So I love that that's just, like, the foundation for you guys and almost, like, steering your car, like the car of your business. You're like, all right, this is the direction we want to head. Like we'll make our turns based off of the end goal. And and that's what your career should be is like, it's not, it's a beautiful part of your life. But, and as you guys know, you know, getting married, having children, having friends, having church, like travel, like there are so many other aspects to our life. And I think in 2022, especially in the, like the very aesthetic Instagram world we live in, it's easy to get caught up in like, I want this, I want this amazing career. And and that's not bad. Like I love to work. So it's not something that's like bad at all, but understanding it's a vehicle to get you to the life that God has, has designed you for. It is not like the end goal because you'll get there one day. I mean, I think in my past business, I experienced this. I, the business grew really fast and I kind of got to the pinnacle of success. And I was like, okay, I'm not that happy. Like I'm 24 and my company's at like, you know, making a lot of money, amazing, like helping amazing women all over the world. But like, I still feel a little like this isn't it. Like I haven't achieved it yet. And I feel like I had like a midlife crisis at like 24. And I realized that's not the pinnacle. That's not the goal. The goal is a beautiful life with children, with husbands, with, you know, adopted children, with whoever, like with your family that you love and adore and your career is a beautiful vehicle to get you there. It's so good. Amen. Okay, well, you kind of touched on it. I'm going to go out of order of these questions, but we talked a little bit about like Fixer Up or Chip and Joanna. That's what people think of when they think of flipping. What what does like Fixer Upper and all the flipping shows not show? Yeah. Like, like, talk about the reality. You want to go first? Chip and Joe don't flip. What is, oh, they used to flip. (laughs) Juice. I want juice. Wait, what? Well, no, they, they do more remodeling. They do more yeah. client remodels. They do On some, their show. some flips, but yeah, they're not necessarily like... Like they're not that's, buying that's that That's not their avenue. Of, they're yeah, renovating like, for people in the show. Now they've definitely flipped before. They, if they you have. read their books, they're definitely... They're, I love Chip and Joe. They're I awesome. will always give honor and respect because <laughs> she is the original gangster oh, of she's, everything. She's a queen. We're, this is not a hate <laughs> no, no, uh, not on Chip and no, no. I just mean like... Yeah, yeah. Show the reality. Like, tell the reality. I mean, already, I think if they've been listening, they're like, whoa, what? Yeah. So I think we've dipped our toe in reality. Sure. (laughs) Let's dive into the pool. So let me, I'll say this and then I'll let Ryan uh, continue it. One of the main things, um, you know, I'll, I'll say they don't show the team that is behind all of that. So I think in almost any show you watch, it's all, and it's the culture we live in, right? There's always got to be a main girl or a main guy. Like it's, they're the person, they're the CEO, they're running the ship. 
And I think also like what a lot of people, like they write us and they're like, oh, I really want to flip, but like, I don't want to be, I'm not a good painter. I'm not a good whatever. And it's like, do you think Chip and Joe are painting? Like, do you, but those shows show them doing those things because it would feel inauthentic if they were just like, we're the CEOs that manage everything. Doing what y'all do. Yeah. Right. We're not the painters. <laughs> right. Like, but, you know, there's a painter who knows how to paint and I'm not going to be the best painter for the job. So I don't do it. So you think Chip only lifts a paintbrush for the camera? I think Chip, well, I think. <laughs> this it, sounds like a setup. Like, I, no. Is Chip listening? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll use other, we'll say other HGTV shows. I don't know what Chip and Joe do. I think Chip loves to do, get I mean, in the grimy okay, yeah. details. But also, I he's think, absolutely not listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool if he is. But I think obviously, you know, everyone has things they enjoy doing. So maybe he does enjoy doing some of that demo work. But I would say for the majority, there's no way they could have a network, a channel, a target line, a target line, a real estate company, a renovation. Yeah. Like they just can't if they're in, if he's doing demo in every single one of those houses. And so that is something that for authenticity, they want to show you. They want to show you Joanna Gaines styling every house. They want to show you, you know, Chip banging a hammer. But in reality, a true business owner that wants to create a beautiful life knows that they are not the superstar. There has to be a team that is skilled in different things. And they, everybody, every entrepreneur knows their place. And so for us, like I'm an amazing project manager and I'm a really good interior designer. And Ryan's incredible at project management too. He's an amazing real estate agent and he's awesome at financials and investors. So but we're not going to lift a paintbrush because we have amazing painters, amazing general contractor. Like they are experts at what they do. So I'm going to let them be experts. I'm not going to try to like steal the show from them. And I think that's something HGTV doesn't do a great job of. So every, you know, husband and wife that watches that show is like, oh, we're going to flip. And then we're going to be in the houses painting and DIYing. And it's like, if you, you can be, but if you want to not be strapped to a nine to five, basically again, and create your own nine to five, you're going to need a team. Yeah. So, and then I know yeah. you want to talk about numbers a little bit with HGTV. But I'd add too, like, I think part of it was getting our team on board with that too, because people are kind of used to just everybody's all in, you yeah. know, nine to five working on it. And uh, I remember like we sat with our team one day and we're like, so if we were in here painting and we saved a thousand dollars at the end of the project, but then we said, Hey guys, we don't have any more houses to flip after this. And everybody's unemployed. Like, yeah. They wouldn't be like, I'm so glad we saved a thousand dollars. They'd be yeah. like, Well, this really stinks. I was banking on this job, and uh, we love that we provide a lot of jobs in this area and yeah. the surrounding area. Uh, so, you know, getting people to understand that on our team is even important. Is like, this is not about you know us just doing every single thing. It's about creating systems to support long term growth and healthy growth for everyone's lifestyle. But I guess when it comes to HGTV. Yeah, I mean, some things aren't overly accurate. I think a lot numbers of numbers are never accurate on the, HGTV. Like when they like tell when you they, what they actually paid out, what they had to pay, like to an investor. Yeah, like the, the flipper flop shows. Like they're good shows to learn from, but they don't ever show like holding fees, origination costs, uh, various yeah. like fees that you have that are actually very substantial. Um, and that are important to calculate in because that's what it takes to have an investor. Like you don't, it makes it just look like everyone has gobs of cash and they don't ever have to pay anyone for money. And yeah. and that's just not true. Most of the people that are flipping on HGTV don't have gobs of cash they're using. They're using other people's money and they're paying origination fees and holding costs to use that money. Yeah. The closest one, in case you want to go watch one yeah. and learn, is probably Flipping 101 with yeah. Tarek. The only thing that it doesn't include a lot of times is you still pay holding costs and fees all the way through the closing and not till when you go under contract. So yeah. sorry if that's technical, but sorry. like you still have months sometimes to close and you still have to pay investors for that time because their right. money is still held up. You can't so, use that money on anything else. So yeah, those yeah. fees can be tens of thousands of dollars. And so if they're not considered that and then closing costs, people often don't think about closing costs when they go to sell a home. And those can be tens of thousands of dollars as well. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of great things to learn. I think HGTV functions as a great inspiration of, you know, getting your foot in the door. And then you have to kind of go from there with research maybe online. I love this. Okay. I want to almost like take us back to just the very beginning. Because I'm guessing a vast majority of our listeners listening to this episode are not already in the flipping business. They might be considering it or you know, just intrigued by it. So what would you guys say 
for the person who's listening to this right now who is like, I don't have relationships with investors already set up. I don't know much about real estate and finding a good investment. I don't know much about... Contractors. Yeah, like any stuff. Like take yourselves back to like before the camper, you knew like hardly anything. What are the top, I don't know, like two or three things they should know or two or three resources that they can ingest to to learn from. I guess just like very basic beginner, like baby step principles, tools, resources. Can I just say one thing and then you can no, share? Go. Okay, so I was going to say like, the one thing that's the, it's not easy. It's just the easiest way probably for people to get started is with the home that they own. And mm-hmm. so if you have a primary residence uh, that, or a house that you buy and that it's homesteaded for two years, all throughout the country, after two years of owning that home, you don't have to pay capital gains on any profits. Can so, you explain capital gains? Yeah. Yes. Pretend. Sorry, that- I'm making you. I'm making you backtrack. But I like. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I, I told Ryan he'd have to explain capital gains. I was like, capital gains is still like there's confusion around it. Can so I be let's, honest? Let's explain it. I don't know what capital gains is. <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> you it, don't if you're not. You, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I didn't know either. I've bought houses, but I don't know what that means. No worries. <laughs> right, no go worries. for it. So capital gains is basically a tax that is assessed on profits from an investment. So that could be you bought a house and you resold it and you made money or you bought stock and you resold it and you oh, made money. Oh, you're not money. taxed on it. You yeah, it's, if you've it's lived a separate... in the house for two years. No. Right, right. But okay. capital gains is a tax. And so you avoid paying it if you live in a house as your primary residence and it's homesteaded for two years we, or more. We did that with my Hawaii house. Now I'm to, tracking. Okay. Up to $500,000 per couple. I just Great. want to throw that in there. Perfect. Okay. For, <laughs> for the gain. Uh, so you avoid that tax and capital gains. It's hard to say what it is percentage wise because it does change their short term capital gains versus long term. And those can change. Uh, and we're not going to get into that. Yeah. The question was advice. You said buy the house. Okay. Your first if you house. can do yeah. that, like work towards that buying that house, take your time because you don't you're not in a rush. You don't need to get the project done because you've got yeah. holding fees. You don't you live there. So like hopefully you can afford it. So, you know. Do your own house, put the effort into it, be yeah. smart with that, and use that as your first investment. Would yeah. you recommend them using a loan on a renovation if they can't afford it? Or should you or would we recommend saving cash and then doing a renovation in cash if that's your house? That's a good question. I guess it depends somewhat where you live and how much work needs to be done. So uh, certain places of the US are a lot more expensive for labor yeah. than other areas. So that's a that's a challenging one. Would you add anything to it? No, I mean, I think it's just, I mean, I would say because I'm a little bit more um, maybe conservative with my with money. Ryan's the risky one. I'm the more conservative one with money. So I'm always the one that's like, is this a good idea? Is this a good idea? I would probably say pay for your own in cash just so that way you get a feel for um, understanding what you're paying out and you feel the weight of responsibility. And without the pressure of owing somebody else and the freak out moments you're going to have. So do it on your own first. And when you're doing it, do not take this opportunity to just hire contractors and like forget their names, forget about them, throw their business cards out. The biggest thing to having any sort of renovation business is having amazing contractors, which if any of you listening to this have tried to renovate anything in your house in the last year, you probably cannot find good contractors. So it is so important to find amazing contractors to uh, to make relationships with and take care of them. When you find a good contractor, like pay them first, take care of them, make them feel so loved and valued and known and important in your business because they will be in it for the long haul with you and they're not going to just go, go, you know, prioritize someone else's business over yours. So when you're renovating your own house, I'd pay for it, the, the renovation in cash, and I would find amazing contractors and really practice on your own home. And then from there, then don't be afraid of good debt. And don't be afraid of asking people for their money, which sounds crazy, but that is really the basis of of how how you scale your growth and your wealth. This is so good. I'm realizing that finding good contractors, like you said, is is prime. Like they are, there's some trash ones out there. Do you have any advice on how to find good nuggets in the sea of trash? Uh, I guess, like Chelsea said, like you create your bench and you create it as deep as you can with good contractors and you don't bank on one or two people that know a skill. If if you're going to build a a flipping business. Yeah. I mean, we even have, I think, 
or a renovation business or an interior design business. So right. I have an arm of we our business is called Surf Girls Design, and I have an arm of it where I do interior design for people. So I consult. I we've done houses from scratch from people of just beautiful designs, and knowing contractors in that sphere is really important too. So it's not just for flipping; it's for any you know any real estate job you're going to do. Contractors are key. Yeah, and you and you evaluate them, and you. I mean, it's funny. Like we even have, I think, five or six cleaners in yeah. our network of people to clean the house because yeah. there's just different things going on and different timetables that they have. And mm-hmm. like, we don't want to just have one person who does things. And then when they're not available or they have something else, we're not able to finish our project. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important to us. We treat them well. You know, we were believers and we believe that everyone is made in the image of God and is important and everyone comes from different lifestyles and backgrounds. And sometimes the contracting world can be a little rough. Um, and it's really important to us that we're bringing the goodness of God into that world of people that a, a lot of people don't believe in, in God. And then just being, you know, in believing in the goodness of the world too, in yeah. that industry. And so it's important to us that we honor those people and really bring God's goodness into that space. Yeah. Even if they bring pit bulls to your job site. Which we did have that happen once. <gasps> so we showed up and there was someone, uh, doing drywall in our house and they had brought their pit bull. And their girlfriend was there hanging out, and it was her pit bull. And they were drinking beer, and we had <laughs> oh, passed them to while no, they were hanging sm- drywall while they were working and smoking in our and house, which is a flip. House. So we're like, this house is going to smell like cigarettes. <gasps> yeah. So yeah, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of weird challenges like that in the contracting world, but we are really we want to be a light in that space, and so it's important to us that we create a community of people in that space that know that the goodness of God. It's so That's good. good. Do you guys have books, or I mean, you mentioned like the TV show, like, are there things that you're like, okay, if you are not familiar with flipping, not familiar with like anything that you're like, here's a good starting place to start getting like really good information. Yeah. So I'll let Ryan talk about the books because I'm sure he will have a few to recommend. Um, flipping 101 is just funny recommending an HGTV show. <laughs> it 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 boils things down at a level like if you're not overly financially minded, it really, they do a good job boiling it down. So I would watch that show over like pretty design shows. Like I know, especially in the feminine end of things, it's easy to get stuck on like all the design stuff, which is fun. But you need to know the strategy, and that yeah. show really helps with the strategy. Secondly, our good friends, Paul and Kelsey, have a course called Flippin' Experts, F-L-I-P-P-I-N, Experts. And their course is phenomenal. Um, and I would love them to be more well-known because it's a really good course that's like nitty-gritty flipping stuff, like amazing, amazing content. And then you can give any books that you think would be helpful. Yeah, and they're amazing people. I mean, me and him talk probably every other week about different stuff and touch base about what we are seeing. and personal development and things like that. Um, I mean, as far as books, if you haven't read it, you know, the number one personal finance book for like the last 20 years, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is probably a good place to start uh, because it wraps your head around the idea of leverage and borrowing money. Mm -hmm. And because we all, we, you know, most of us have been taught to not borrow money at all because like we don't want to owe people well most of us have have great grandparents and grandparents that came out of the depression and the depression mindset Mm -hmm. and so because of that there is a scarcity and poverty mentality and most of our parents and it's i mean most of our parents will admit that uh, or grandparents and so learning to not live in scarcity is very important when you are being an entrepreneur because you just get so much farther with an abundance mindset um, and believing that you know there are good things out there and that you can let leverage and borrow and everyone can win. Yes. And then I would learn the United States tax code because that is a great way to not have to work as hard and to understand how to make money the correct way that the government wants you to make money because they want you to create more jobs. They want you to buy real estate, create more housing. And so when you do those things, that's why there is these tax incentives or uh, different things. So really understanding like different ways to structure your business and things like that can make a huge difference. Yeah. Ryan, do you have like a way for somebody to because when you say understand the tax like code, no, like what does that mean? Like I think I think I'm just picturing like going to like the United States government website <laughs> and reading through pages of like documents. Is there is there anything from you if you're just like no that's literally it's it's dry and boring and confusing and it's hard or if you're like hey there are a couple of like resources or books. Yeah, I'm really sorry. It, it, that's probably not the best route. It's 5,700 pages, so you definitely don't want to oh, read it. Oh, God. Uh, no, I, I think there's different books, like uh, from Robert Kiyosaki's group. There's Tax-Free Wealth. That's a good book. 
Um, and quite honestly, like we've invested the money into having a tax strategist on our team. Yeah. And so he's also a CPA, uh, which is a certified uh, accountant, but he also is a tax strategy, st- tax strategist. So yeah. like throughout the year, he's helping us uh, to manage what we're doing, not only with our business, but our other businesses yeah. and how they go together, as well as us as uh, our personal finances. Yeah. And that is a... That's not an expense. That's an investment yeah. that yeah. really yeah. pays off huge dividends. For sure. And I will just add Garrett Gunderson's another good yeah, one Garrett's to follow. Awesome. Uh, wealth Lab. He has a great stuff about taxes, about wealth, about building wealth. Um, and, you know, maybe to some people, the term building wealth sounds scary, but wealth is a tool and it's mm-hmm. important that we look at it that way. Amen. Amen. Okay. I want to ask this question really fast. We kind of glossed over it, but Ryan, you are a realtor. How important is someone who wants to own a, or like start a flipping business that they themselves are like get the, I don't know what it's called, like the, the certifications yeah. to be a realtor. Is it, is it more of a hassle to own a flipping business and then always have to rely on a realtor every time you buy and sell? I'd say that's why we got into it. So different people coach different things. Like not everybody says you should be a realtor if you're going to flip. I liked it because I want to be able to see houses as quick as possible. I don't want to have to call somebody. I don't want to have to schedule around their day. Uh, I mean, this last house we bought a week ago or two weeks ago, I saw Saturday night at 1130 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we went and saw it at 645 a.m. And we had an offer at 7.15 a.m. Yeah. And it got accepted before we started driving to church. So, yeah. like, that was that's because, like, we control. I guess we want control, right? Entrepreneurs want control. Yeah. <laughs> is that, is right. that really it at the end of the day? <laughs> so being a real estate agent helps, too, a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say you have to be a real estate agent. But I remember why I got my real estate license is our very first house we did. Uh, Chelsea and I made $19,000 on, and we were pretty happy. And then my real estate agent made $16,000. And I said, And we worked our bums off, like, with a baby in our belly. Yeah, it was crazy. So I'm like, maybe we should do things So we were still very blessed by that money, and we were so great. But we were like, hey, there's we're missing out on an opportunity here. So we're just being strategic. That's so good. Yeah, so it's definitely a benefit. But, you know, it has its own work that comes along with it and certifications and things like that and fees. But it's an investment, so it's worth it. Awesome. All right. Last question before we let you guys go, because we've talked your ear off and you've given us such good things. If anybody out there is hearing all of this and they're like, okay, I'm intrigued. I maybe just clicked on this episode because I was intrigued, but I might want to do this. Like I might want to open up a flipping business and dive into that route. What would be the first recommendation that you would say to them, like, go start doing this today? I mean, you've already given us like incredible resources, incredible books, but is there anything that you recommend like kind of ending out this episode? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Ryan shared it already when he talked a little bit about like, start with your home. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is just start with your house, um, you know, and learn the, learn all those hard lessons on your home when it's not as high of a risk. Um, and then start educating yourself on, um, you know, some of these books that we talked about, some of and just mindset, like changing your mindset about money and about leveraging money. Um, and then I would say, I know like, we talk a lot about like, what are the biggest lessons we've learned in our, our business? And one of them is just understanding your values. And I think that's just, and I touched on it earlier, but it's huge for your listeners because people might be listening to this like, oh, I want to flip. But then people might be listening to this like, wow, this is so inspiring, but I have no interest in real estate and I don't really care about real estate at all. <laughs> yeah. But like, I love this idea of creating a life that I love with my kid. Like I want to have kids, you know, probably a lot of people in that season of life too. Um, I think it's a lot about understanding your values. And like like I mentioned earlier, asking yourself the question, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Like, why are you listening to this podcast? Is it so you can go be a boss babe and have, you know, 80,000 people follow you on Instagram? Uh, it might be because you might really value influence and that's okay. Like, that's mm-hmm. totally okay. You might really value the influence that you get to have and how you get to help people. But it also might be you just want to be able to garden in the backyard with your kids without having to worry about finances. And so when you start learning and listening to podcasts like this, don't just listen to people like us and be like, I now I'm going to be a flipper or now I'm going to be an influencer or now I'm going to start a bathing suit company like Evie. Like those are all just beautiful tools that we use to get to the life that we love, that God's called us to. And so much of that includes our children, our husbands, the important people in our life, you know, 
and finding peace and rest with God. And so what are the tools you're going to use that fit your values in the season of life that you're in? It could be flipping. It could be something completely different, but understanding and analyzing why you want to do what you want to do is so important. And I think not enough people take the time to analyze that and ask themselves that question. So, yeah, I mean, there's never really been to me, in my opinion, an easier time in history to be able to create the life that you love, like to be able to have control, whether that's through uh, an online business or through a retail business or any other type of business. Like this is a, an amazing time in history to be able to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, to be an owner of multiple businesses. Uh, statistically, it is too. I mean, if we want to go into that is right now with especially the baby boomer generation reaching retirement is like most experts say this will be the biggest wealth transfer in the history of the United States as about $10 trillion in business is being handed over in the next 10 years. Yeah. So like generation to the next generation. So like there's ample opportunities if you think an opportunity. Yeah. But if you think like, Hey, all these things are against me and there might be some things like legitimately against you, but if you can find ways to overcome those, like overcome that scarcity mindset, yeah, you'll be able to create a life you really want. Wow. Okay. All right. Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) I'm all fired up after this episode. Copy paste, post that on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys just so much for dropping such a well-rounded and like holistic approach to flipping and to another way to diversify like investments and revenue and business models and all of it. You guys just, I think, opened like a whole new world. <laughs> Why is that in my head? A whole new world. Anyways, <laughs> all just to our listeners. And it it was just amazing. So thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having us. It's so much fun for us to talk about this. So it filled our cup getting to be here in this closet talking about it together. <laughs> it's getting pretty hot though. So I will say, um, we're toasty. Yeah. Well, this is weird because normally me and Evie are saying goodbye to the guests, but I guess in this case, we all three are saying goodbye to you, Evie. Well, before, before we get off though, where can people find you guys and like follow along on your flipping business, like follow along on your family, all this stuff? Yeah, yeah. So you can follow us over at Surf Girls Design on Instagram. We also have Surf Girls Design website. And then I have my personal Instagram, which I show up every now and then. And I post fun stuff about my family at Chelsea Antos. So go follow us there and you can see all of our fun house flips. Okay. I'd prefer you don't find me. <laughs> you prefer you just find else. <laughs> Mine has an Instagram, but we don't talk about it. All right. We no. don't talk right. about it. Well, Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. It is been an honor to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you.